I want to start speaking over the next few weeks. I believe this is what the Lord's got on my mind. And I want to start speaking a little bit on the strategies of Satan. Now, I know that this may be a topic that may bring some questions. Why would we talk about the devil in church? Well, he's real. And he's active. And he wants to do some things in our lives. He has a very definite purpose for every one of us in this place. So it's important that we understand that. I believe in a very real enemy. And I believe in a very real heaven. And I believe in a very real hell. And I want to talk very clearly over the next few weeks on all three because it's so important that we understand that we have a biblical basis for what we believe about all three and I believe that that eternal life that we will have whether your eternal life is in heaven or whether your eternal death is in hell Either one will make this life pale in significance. Everything that you think is so important right now will seem like nothing, either in the joys of heaven or the pain and the hopelessness of hell. It's pretty real stuff, isn't it? Can you see why the devil doesn't want me to talk about this stuff? But I'm going to speak about it, and I'm going to do the best that I can to give you biblical truths so that we all can have the hope and the promise of heaven. We spoke in the adult Sunday school class today on the minor prophets and what their purpose was, and their purpose was to bring judgment. The prophets were the ones that brought the word of God to the Old Testament people. They did not have a Bible. They did not have a scripture they could read. The prophets were the voice of God. And their role and their responsibility was to bring the truth. And the truth was a hard truth for the people at the time. The judgment that they spoke of was very real. But here is the benefit for all of us today. For all of us, there is the hope that we can receive the warning of the judgment so that we don't have to go through the consequence of the judgment. The devil would have us think that it's too late for us, that it's hopeless for us, that there's not enough time that we have to recover from us, from our own self. And that the judgment has already happened. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that the judgment has not happened. You, as long as you have a breath in your lung, you have hope for eternal life. And by us taking the time to self-evaluate and to examine our hearts and to go then and measure ourselves against the Word of God, we have time then to make this life not a wasted life. 
The devil will take that away from you. He will do everything he can to take that knowledge away from you. And we're here today to declare the goodness of God. To declare the fact that we do and we can walk in victory against an enemy that is very real. But we have the wherewithal. We have the knowledge. We have the Holy Spirit within us that will deliver us into the kingdom of his beloved son in which we have redemption the forgiveness of sins that's hope that's hope but we have to understand our adversary and we need to know that I do think that I do know we have experienced numerous times I have experienced and probably every person that's been in the Pentecostal experience has experienced times of great victory great victory in our lives where we have really felt we've conquered we have defeated him it's over it's done we've defeated him i have anybody else felt that besides me come on we used to sing the song he's under my feet he's under my feet we're stamping on the devil remember that song we used to think that we could stamp him out and that we could take him out of the equation But I'm here to say this morning, not in a defeatist attitude at all, but in a realistic attitude so that we don't leave here with misconceptions. We have not stamped him out. He is very real in the midst of all of that. See, God could take Satan out in a heartbeat. God has the power to take Satan out in a heartbeat because Satan and God are not equals. You must understand that. They are not equal powers. It is not the power of God versus the power of the devil, and they're not equal. God is the all-powerful, omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent God. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. And he can be all places at at, at all times. Satan is a created being Satan can be one place at one time. He does not know all, and he is not powerful, all-powerful. He is not a creator. He is an imitator. He cannot create anything. He takes what God has established, and he converts it, and he, he, he twists it, and he makes delusions from what God has created. So we will never understand, we can never put God and Satan on the same battlefield because God is up here. So I say all that to say this. If God wanted Satan out of the picture, he'd be gone. But he doesn't want him out of the picture yet. So I, that's why we need to talk about him in the reality terms of who he is because he's very real and he's very present. Satan has thousands and thousands if not hundreds of thousands and hundreds of thousands and maybe millions of demons see when satan was first created he was created as one of the three archangels gabriel michael and lucifer and all of the archangels were created in heaven to serve god and to be the leaders of the legions and legions of angels and the bible says that there was pride That evil word pride, again, that we talked about on Sunday school this morning. What a great Sunday school lesson that was. And how pride entered into Lucifer's heart. 
And Lucifer said, I want to be like God. In fact, I want to be over God. God doesn't deserve all this praise and worship. He made me perfect. And Lucifer was made perfect in beauty and in wisdom. He was perfect. And God gave him, like God gives us, free choice. That makes us very powerful, as it made Lucifer very powerful, as it made Michael very powerful, and as it made Gabriel very powerful, as it makes every angel that God ever created very powerful. We all have free choice. So when pride entered into Lucifer's mind and said, I want to be like God, he had the choice to either submit to that or to take that captive and to put that down. Well, he didn't. He let pride swell up. He let pride take a a position of, of ownership in his life, in his angelic being, and he convinced a third of the angels in heaven to follow him. And they were cast out. And they were thrown to the earth. And Lucifer then became Satan. That's the creation of Satan. That's where he came from. It kind of boggles my mind that a being that has been in heaven, that has seen the glories of heaven, could ever be so prideful in his own ability to walk away from God. But yet then I look at myself, and I see that same pride, and I see that same arrogance come up my life. And I would question, Mike, who do you think you are that you can walk away from God? So that's a warning for us today. Who is that? So I want to talk more about who is Satan today. Then in next weeks, we're going to start talking about some of his strategies that he specifically pinpoints towards us. There's a very plain and pretty obvious movement in our society today that talks about two major elements of denial. Number one, a denial that Satan exists. And number two, a denial that hell is a real place after death. If you get into the culture at all, if you get onto the Internet at all and do any searches on heaven, hell, or Satan, you will see so much information that's written out there and there's so much confusion in, the, in our society. So many people, articles written, so many um, spiritual leaders that have their spin on it. And you will see some. In fact, I, I encourage you, if you're into this, go to Google, type in, who is Satan? And see what comes up. See the videos that come up. In fact, I'm going to show you one in a minute that helps me explain a little bit about who is Satan so you can get a better grasp of him because I don't want you to think that I'm making it up, first of all. It is all biblical. But there's so much out there that is untruth, so much out there that is saying that he's not real. Or if he is real, he's really not that bad. And it talks about hell, too, as being either not real Or it's really not that bad. In fact, I'm going to go to hell and party with all my friends. Have you ever heard that? 
Well, hell is not going to be a party. Hell is utter darkness. Hell is utter turmoil. Hell is utter damnation. Hell is separation from God. And you think, well, so what? Separation from God. I don't even want to be with God right now. So how is that going to be so painful? Well, I'll tell you what. The moment that you're separated from God, you will have such a hopelessness, such a despair that will come into you that you can't even breathe. It's a bad thing to be without God and to be separated from God. And, and I know we can't even begin to comprehend it because the Holy Spirit is roaming around the earth and he's seeking us and he's still wooing us. But the moment that he leaves, you're going to see a whole side of humanity that is undescribable. And I've seen the videos, I've read the books, 90 Minutes in Hell and, I've, and, and Dante's Hell and... And I've read numerous books on it, and it talks about those that have been to hell for a while and the utter despair that they've felt in this vision or in the way that the God has transported them to hell, and they come back to write about it. It is unbearable. And see, our society and the enemy doesn't want us to think about that. He doesn't want us to grasp the concept of what that is about. He wants to keep it very soft and very easy and very complacent. And he wants to keep us in that no man's land to say, oh, I don't really believe that. Can I really believe that? Is, can God really send a person? God's God of love. God would never do that. And he brings all kinds of questions and all kinds of turmoil and distractions to us. I'm telling you right now, hell is real and hell is bad and we don't want to go there. So there is that, that those two purposes that, that the devil has in society, to deny that he exists and also to deny that hell is real. And with that said, it's important that we realize that just because you're, you're sitting here in church this morning doesn't really mean anything about your eternal destination or your identity as a Christian it doesn't mean you're a Christian because you're sitting in church any more than it would mean a car if you're sitting in a garage. You can spend all the time you want in the garage and you'll never be a car. It might be a studio. <laughs> but you'll never be a car. So I could sit, I could spend all my time in church and just because I'm in my time in church does not make me a Christian no more than I would have four wheels growing out of me and a motor. So it's important then that we understand then what makes me a Christian. What makes me a Christian is my heart. What makes me a Christian is the fact that I received Jesus in my life and I understand the sacrifice that he made for me and I apply him in my life and I ask him to forgive me of my sins. And I say, Jesus, I am so sorry for what I've done. And I have a truly repentant heart not a heart of, I'm sorry that I got caught, but a heart of repentance that is humble and humility and 100% opposite from pride. Pride and humility will never go together. It's like oil and water. They'll never mix. So when I come to Jesus, I come to him with, Father, I know that I am not worth being here. I know that as I sit in this church right now, that I know that just being here does not make me a Christian. It's a good place to be, and I'm glad you're here. 
because you're hearing the word of God. And everybody should be in church. It's a good place to be, but we have to take it the next step. And that's what's so important that we do that. So we have to make sure that God looks, we know that God looks at our heart. And so I don't have to be in church to be a Christian. So does that mean that we can spend our time with the world in worldly places? Does that mean we can go to the bars and still be a Christian? Does that mean that we can go other places and, and, and be a Christian? Yes, it means that you can. Wait, did the pastor say I can go to the bar? Did the pastor say I can do that? What are you thinking right now? Am I confusing you? I want everybody to think that. I want everybody to get to grasp this right now. Yes, you can go to the bar. But most, the problem that most people have with this is this. If I go to the bar because I want to go to the bar to party, if I go to the bar because I want to drink and revel with my friends, if I go to the bar because I want to be associated with them, and I want to have that party attitude, and I want to have all the stuff that the world offers, then understand that, the, that your heart is not a godly heart. If you go to the bar because you weep over the people in the bar, if you go to the bar because you travail over their lost soul, if God's in your heart so much that you just cannot dwell to think that your friends could be going to hell, if that you are so torn up over it that you hear what they're doing and it's an obvious situation and it makes you weep and it makes you cry and you fall on your face and you're before God and you say, God, what can I do? Then go to the bar and let them see Jesus. But don't go to the bar with any other attitude in your heart. If you're going to the worldly places with the premise of winning them to Jesus, you know in your heart if you're really going to have a good time. You know if you're really going to go with them and just have some fun, be part of the group, be part of the crowd, I'm, and, and not be bold enough to be an example for Christ, and not be strong enough to go there and not party with them then you better check your heart because you're on really shaky and thin ice. And you may not be going to the bar for the right reasons. If that's the case, stay away from the bar. Stay away from the worldly places because you're not strong enough to handle it. Understand the devil wants to take you to the bar and he wants to beat you up in the bar with the buddies. If Jesus is so much in your heart, and that's what we sang today, when we can learn to praise the Lord with everything we have, with totally and reckless abandon, then you've got to know that the Lord is getting your heart. And then you can walk in the world and not be of the world. Because now I have a commitment and I have a diligence and I have a persuasion and I have an attitude that I am not going to be taken down by the world's activities. I am going to stand on the rock. Now you can be an effective Christian in the world. And you don't get that by sleeping in. You don't get that by osmosis. You don't get that by just saying a quick little prayer for, for meals and moving on. You get that by diligent prayer, diligent Bible study, and a committed work ethic to be a Christian. You would not be a Christian 
a strong Christian any more than you would be a professional football player if you didn't work hard at being a professional football player. I don't know of any professional football players that woke up 300 pounds and buff. Not one of them. They all grew up. And they all went through the, the, the workouts. They all trained hard all of their life to become a professional football player. That's the way Christianity is. I don't know any person. In fact, the Bible says no one is righteous in themselves. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is not one person that walks this world today ever besides Jesus that ever was born a Christian. No one. We all have to work our way through that. We all have to go through the process. We all have to go through the exercise. We all have to spend the time and the effort and, and be diligent. Satan doesn't want you to know that. Ephesians chapter, seven, chapter 4, verses 17 through 27. It says, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you, must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. I would really advise you today to go home and reread that scripture three or four times. And let that sink in as to what Paul is talking to the Ephesian church about so that we can grasp it. What I'm trying to get across this morning and have been for a long time is that we are in a battle with Satan. And the only way we are going to win is through a determined, self-controlled, and diligent fight. We will be measured by God to see if we are worthy to go to heaven by our faith in Jesus and how we live our lives every day. Hell is real, and it's just as significant as heaven. And in our culture today, there's a common misconception that all people will eventually get to heaven. We've read it, you know, the Rob Bell books and, 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 the, and the, all these universalist line of thinking that it's just a matter of time and we're all going to get to heaven or the other strategy is hell doesn't last forever i'm going to go to hell for a while and i'm going to get some punishment for a while but eventually two things one of two things are going to happen either either i'm going to get a second chance and i'm going to earn my way to heaven through my obedience in hell or i'm going to be annihilated meaning that i'm just going to cease to exist either way the punishment's over 
Well, I know this is a hard thing, but that's not what the Bible says. That's not, that's not in the Bible at all. What's in the Bible is eternal punishment. Eternal punishment. So hell is real. For those that want to think that they're going to get through another way, so they say, hey, eat, drink, and be merry. What's the difference? We're all going to get to heaven eventually anyways. Mike, get off the stuff. Get on to the prosperity that we're all promised. Get on to the healing that's ours that you receive. Get, all, get on to the peace that's promised and the joy we're to live in. And yes, we all have that. And that's the benefit of being a Christian is we do have all that. That is all good. But if that's all we dwell on, if that's all we think about, if we don't understand what it takes to get to the peace, to get to the promises, then the devil plays in our mind and the devil wins because he gets in our sandbox and he takes the toys and he disturbs the sand and he makes the problems and we live in it. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to do my best in love and in and, 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 and a nice voice and I'm not hollering at anybody. I'm just trying to say, people, wake up. Wake up. And let's see Jesus for what he is. None of the things we've talked about are going to be given to us without a battle. Yeah, we're going to have some initial wins. We're going to have that. And thank God we have those. But the enemy's always there. Enemy's always there. So we're going to, as we go through the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about who is Satan. Doing that today. What is his purpose? His purpose is ultimately to kill and destroy. That's what his purpose is. Or if he can't do that in an obvious way, then his purpose is to neutralize neutralize any positive effect I might have. And we're going to talk about who and what he attacks. Um, why don't we take the next few minutes. I want to show this video. And let's just see uh, a little bit more about Satan. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? This verse says, Sons of God. Angels are the sons of God. And when the world was made, there was no man, so men were not the sons of God that this verse is talking about. The sons of God are the sons of God mentioned in Genesis 6. Angels were there when God created the heavens and the earth. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. So let's go back. What is an angel? An angel is a spirit made by God because by him all things were created. Originally, they were created to worship God and obey him. Angels are invisible, but have been seen on occasion in the Bible. The Bible does not say that people become angels when they die. The Bible says nothing about baby angels. However, angels are created beings. They were not birthed, so they don't need an infant stage. The Bible also says nothing about female angels. 
There's no need for a female angel because they're all immortal. They do not need to reproduce with each other and make children. They're all male. Maybe people envision angels to be women because women are more peaceful than men, but it's not what the Bible says, only what people think. When a group of people called the Sadducees came to challenge Jesus, asking, If a woman was married seven times, who would be her husband in the resurrection? Jesus said, For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels of God in heaven. The following verses show that the angels are actually male. That the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, all of whom they chose. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of renown. When angels had children with humans, their children would grow up to be giants. Okay, back to the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. This is continued in another book. I beheld the earth, and indeed it was without form and void, and the heavens, they had no light. I beheld the mountains, and indeed they trembled, and all the hills moved back and forth. I beheld, and indeed there was no man, and all the birds of the heavens had fled. Birds! Isn't this before God made birds? I beheld, and indeed the fruitful land was a wilderness, and all the cities were broken down at the presence of the Lord by his fierce anger. Cities! Who made the cities if there was no man? God was angry? Why? The Bible doesn't talk about this in the beginning of Genesis, but God made everything, including the angels, and they were there with God, shouting for joy when the earth was made, but their creation was not specifically mentioned. According to most interpretations of the Bible, Lucifer was an angel of God. The name Lucifer means bright morning star. Lucifer was close to God, but turned from God because of his pride. Lucifer had a throne of followers, presumably in heaven and on earth. He had rebellion in his heart, and wanted to be like God and overthrow God. He was later addressed as Satan, which means adversary or opponent. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning! How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations! For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will also sit on the mountain of the congregation, on the farthest sides of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, I will be like the Most High, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you, saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook the kingdoms, who made the whole world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of its prisoners? Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You are the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You are in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. 
You are the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You are on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created, till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore I cast you out as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trading. Therefore I brought fire from the midst of you. It devoured you, and I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. All who knew you among the people were astonished at you. You have become a horror, and you shall be no more forever. At some unknown point in time, war breaks out in heaven. The Bible says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was there a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Jesus said to his disciples, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. When the Bible says, He shall be no more forever, that will be Satan's end. But now, Satan's not in hell. Satan has never been in hell. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. When God asks a question, it's not because he lacks information. Many times God makes statements by asking questions. And then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? Satan is on the earth, searching for people to devour, like this person, Job. He will be cast out to hell, though. Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Hell is not ruled by Satan, but it was originally made for him and his angels, not for humans, to be punished. Hell is one place where God is not, for God says, Depart from me. Satan also has angels, originally created by God, who now follow him. These angels appear to be good, just like their master. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Satan, still on the earth today, is called the adversary and the deceiver. He appears to be very beautiful and appealing, and in that way he deceives many. Anyone who follows in Satan's footsteps to sin to love their own life more than God, will end up in the same place that Satan will. You know, I play that and I talk about all this and I know that it comes to people's minds that we're glorifying Satan when we talk about him. No, we're not glorifying Satan. Understand that right now. I am not glorifying Satan. I just know who he is. 
and I want you to know who he is. So that we then can come together in a common battle against him. So that when we have issues with our brother and sister, that we are not fighting against them. That we know that our warfare is against the powers and principalities of the air. It's against him, not against you, not against me. So when I have a problem, don't attack me. It's not, you're, not, you're not fighting me. Rather, come alongside me and let's fight together the battle against the enemy. It's so important that we do that because we're all going to have problems. We're going to have failures. There are people that are going to fall miserably amongst us. I hope it's not me. But if it is me, if I ever fall, please don't kill me. Help me. Help me up. But make sure, first of all, that I have a repentant heart. Make sure, first of all, that my heart truly is sorry that I've sinned. That's so important. Because if I'm not sorry that I sinned, then there is no forgiveness for me. Right? Does that make sense? It's not an issue that I got caught. So please, hold me accountable. That's what it's about. Hold me accountable. But don't hurt me. We saw the video last week of the buffalo and the lions. I know that kind of offended some people. I'm sorry for those that are squeamish when it comes to animals and cruelty. But remember, the buffalo won. <laughs> Nobody got hurt. He got bit a little bit. But he, he, he lived. But we saw, the, the, we saw what the church does. The church comes around those that are hurt and surrounds them and loves them back. Amen? That's what the church does. Let's, let's, let's stand against the enemy. Let's recognize who he is. And let's not, let, let's, not, not, let's do not play his game. Let's not get him in. Let's not allow him in our head. He can give us thoughts. He can, give us, he can deceive us. He can make us so deceived that we have a hard time knowing we're deceived. That's why we have to stay in the word. And that's why we have to be around Christians. And that's why we need to fellowship with each other so that we don't allow ourselves to get so deceived that, we're, that we don't even know it. So if a brother comes to you and questions you, don't get mad at him. Thank him. Don't, don't get mad at somebody if they come and say, well, I saw you doing something the other day. You, are you, sure, you really should have been doing that. Don't get mad at him. Say, you know what? Yeah, I'm glad somebody caught me. I'm glad I'm accountable to somebody. I need to be. You need to be. We all need to be. And it's good. And that God, God restores people in that way. So the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about Satan's strategies. We're going to be talking about what he brings, how he comes against us, and that we can then win against him. This is a day of victory, by the way. This is a day of victory. This is a day that we can get one step closer to heaven, one step closer. We haven't defeated him yet, but we're winning, and we're on the winning side. We will win in the end. Would you stand with me? Father, we thank you for this day. Lord Jesus, I am so thankful for the way you've met with us today. Lord, I needed this. I needed to be touched by you today. I needed to feel your presence in my life. I needed to feel all that you have given us and me. I thank you for that. And I pray that everyone in this room has some sense of that prayer. That they all can say, yes, this was a good day today. This was a good day to be in church. And I'm so glad that I'm here today. Lord, I pray that as we continue the messages about our enemy, Lord, that you've allowed to be in our life for the purposes that you've established, Lord, that we will hear the word that you're giving us through the Holy Spirit, that we will make the changes necessary in our life, that we will have truly repentant hearts, and that we would truly be 
a righteous person, not by, not by words, but by action and by deeds. Bless us as we go to our homes today. Lord, just give us a fullness that we would never have anywhere else because of who you are and because of what you do as we allow you in our life. We honor you today. In Jesus' name, amen.